Hey, good morning. Again, let's open our Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Chapter 3. We have been uh, looking at the book of 1 Thessalonians, and last week we finished chapter 2, really about Paul's heart. He had such a heart for the people, such a love that he had for those people there. And really, it's not about buildings. We know that. It's not about programs, though those aren't bad either. But it's really about people. And, and he mentions in this letter, 20, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 23 times he, he uses the term brothers and sisters, or you know, this idea of family. And uh, he desperately wanted to go and see them. He desperately wanted to be face-to-face with them, to be, see them in person. And there's something very special about that as well. Uh, I'm getting ready to go on a trip uh, just during the week, this week, to, to visit um, my family, my brother, who you remember uh, back in June, they thought he wasn't going to make it. And he has, he has not only made it, he's, he's just like carrying on. And uh, I spoke to him a few days ago, and uh, he's very excited that I'm going to stop and see him, and then I'm going to go see my folks. And they're both, you know, they're all very excited for, for me to be there because there's something about being face-to-face, you know. I mean, I'm going to try to set it up so that my brother can see my parents on Skype, right, or something like that. And that's nice, too, because they can't go see him and he can't go and see them. So I mean, there's times when you can't do it. But I spoke to him on the phone, and, and uh, God is doing something there. And, and uh, you know, he... Don't ever give up hope. I mean, if I wish I had a picture I could show you what he looks like. You would just gotta go, whoa. And, uh, I mean, he's got this long, long hair. <laughs> I mean, long, you know, and like, and he wears these dark glasses, sunglasses all the time. Doesn't wear regular glasses, sunglasses. And he's got this long, straggly beard, and <laughs> he's probably watching right now. Yeah, right. No, they don't have internet where he is. But, um, I was talking to him, and I said, he said, you know, I'm in pain. He's always in pain, but he says, I had this other special pain that is bothering him to breathe. And I said, he said, you better pray. Can you pray? He always asks me to pray for him. Say a prayer for me. And he says, can you say a fierce prayer for me this time? <laughs> and I'm going like, yeah, okay. And then I, I want to keep talking. And then he brings it up again. No, can you say a fierce prayer? You know, like now, like he wants me to pray. And I say, okay. So I prayed the fiercest prayer that I knew how to pray. <laughs> what does that mean? And uh, usually I just say amen, and he says amen. But this time he says, you know, after I finish praying, he says, he said, yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus, help me, God. Help me. And he said that three or four times. And uh, I said, oh, okay. And then I said amen, and then he said it again. I said, I guess this isn't over yet. (laughs) But, you know... To be able to see him just face to face, even if it's only for a few minutes, for a few hours, really. There's something about that. And I think, I think we need to be attentive to the fact that, you know, that we're only here for a short period of time. And I know we get busy on all kinds of stuff. And there's so many things to do and so many programs I need to watch on TV. You know, that so many football games and, and, and baseball games, I need to see all these things. And then you don't, you know, the people that are right next to you don't even pay attention to them. You know, I do it. He desperately wanted to see them face to face, and 
And uh, he said, Paul said, though, but Satan stopped us. And Satan hates for, for people to be together. He hates for fellowship. He hates, you know, the, the power there is to be together. And, and so he put up a roadblock, and he, and he puts up obstacles, but, but we really need to fight against that. And yet, in the end, even despite that, Satan doesn't win. Satan never wins. He does his thing, but he never wins. And Paul wrote these letters that bless us now almost 2,000 years later. That's incredible. So for Paul, these people, they were his crown and his, his hope and his joy and his glory. And someone said this, that their development was what he lived for. They filled his life with sunshine. What matters most at the end of our lives, at Christ's return, as he talks about there, when Christ comes, it's not stuff. It's not stuff. It's people. It's really, it's people. That's what it's all about when, when we get to the end, when he returns or we go to be with him. So today I want to look at the next uh, few verses, um, but, but also I forgot to, to say I wanted to say thank you for your very incredible kindness to, um, to me and my family um, with your gifts last week. It was, uh, kind of blew me away, really. So uh, I didn't mean to get emotional. But do you ever get emotional when you don't want to? So today I want to ask you the question, though, how are you doing? So I've got to put on my best accent. How are you doing? Is that good? No? How are you doing? <laughs> no, Joe told me I'm a Rhode Islander, but I got, there's things I've got to still work on. Joe, you've got to help me out. How are you doing? How are you doing? You don't use your mouth. You just, how are you doing? Really, really, the question is, how is your faith? How, how are you doing? How is your faith? That's the question I want, to ask to, I want to ask you today. How is your faith? And when I talk about faith, I, I'm not talking about the faith that you, that you uh, used, the, the faith that brought you into the kingdom of God, that, that when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the faith that you need to, to become born again, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. I'm talking about the faith of the faith that carries you on. Because Paul was talking to these people here about their faith during the trials, during everything that they were facing. So let me ask you again today, how's your faith doing? And in, in the stuff you got to go through in this life, is, are you okay? Are you, are you, you going to make it? That's what Paul wanted to know about them. How's your faith? Let's uh, read the, the first five verses there. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to, to be left by ourselves in Athens. And we sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. And you know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless or in vain. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Again, this compass, this, this light into our paths, the lamp into our feet. 
We pray that our hearts would be open to hear what you would say to us through your word, by your spirit, Lord, as we are your people and, and we desperately need to hear from you each and every day, Lord. So help us today, Lord, in Jesus' name. I have broken this passage up into three points. I'm not usually a three-point kind of guy. Can we go one more? One more? One more, there you go. And, and really the three points that I see in these verses here is one, that we all need help. We all need help. Number two, we all face trials. And number three, we're all in a battle. So point number one found in, in the first two verses that we all need help. We, we all need help. Not just you, not just me, but every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ. We need help. I need, help. I need, I need all the help I can get. I'm not afraid to admit it. He says there in verses 1 and 2, he said, We could stand it no longer. We thought it best to be left by ourselves. And we sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker. We sent Timothy when we could take it no longer. We, he knew that, that it just was not going to happen for him to go right then. But he knew that they needed some help. He knew that it wasn't good to leave them on their lips. They needed some, some things that, that Timothy was going to bring, as we'll see here in a minute. If we can't go, and this is a principle that we see in Paul's life, if we can't go, send someone else. We can't go everywhere. We can't do everything. But he says, send someone else. He sent Timothy. The missionary, Paul the missionary, sent out a missionary. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The missionary sent out a missionary. It's this is a multiplication thing. This multiplication process that takes place. And, and, and even when you know, Paul and Barnabas had this problem and they, they, they split apart and Mark was involved in it, they, they split apart, but it multiplied. Then they went into more places. When the persecution came upon the church, we're going to shut down the church. No, the persecution, all it did was it, it caused them to send out and to go out into more places. You see, Satan doesn't win. His plan will backfire every single time. They sent Timothy out, and, and Timothy had all the degrees after his name, as you see here in this passage someone pointed out. One says he was our brother. Another uh, thing that, that is, you'll see in your margin that he was a servant. And number three, that he was a God's fellow worker. He was family. He was a servant, and he was a part of the team, and he went out. And, and Paul said, you need to go to those people. You need to talk to them. You need to help them. Paul says, I can't go. It's, not, it's just not working out. For me to go, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm not going to let Satan you know, stop me forever. But right now, I need to go. So he sent Timothy, who was able to go. And you know what? Timothy fulfilled a role. And Timothy did what Timothy could do. Timothy had a different personality than Paul did. Every one of us is different. Each one of us has some part to play. Paul, talking in 1 Corinthians, he said, you know, I planted the seed, but Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. He said, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Each one of us does our part, but then God is the one that will bring about the growth. But Paul had to plant the seed. Apollos needed to water the seed. But God, God brings the growth. He said that he was, he was a a brother and a servant and a fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ. And uh, 
But, but he sent him there. Paul sent Timothy there, found in the, the second part of verse 2. What? Look what it says there. He says, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. To strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Like I said, we all need help. And when we, when we think we don't need help, that's when we're in trouble. If you think, you know, I got this covered. I'm, all, I'm okay. I'm doing good. That's when we're in trouble. Paul sent Timothy there, and, and he, was, he was concerned about them. He was worried about them. He cared about them. He says, I want to I send you to strengthen and encourage them, you in, in your faith. And, and this word is in this chapter alone, this word about your faith, is used five times in, their chap, in this chapter. That's why I ask you, how's your faith? How, how, how is your trust in Jesus Christ? That's how what faith is, is pretty much... Um, uh, defined as trust. How, are you trusting in him? Are you holding on to him? He wanted, to, he wanted to strengthen them and encourage them in their faith. This word for strengthen means to stabilize. Strengthen means to, to stabilize. It means to make solid. And, and it had the idea in it that, that it would support an already existing structure. They had faith. They had faith to trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, but, but they needed it to be shored up a little bit. Are you ever like that? You, you trust in Jesus, but you're like the guy who says, you know, I believe, but help my unbelief. I only believe, I just believe. I got a little mustard seed, but, but, but God wants to strengthen you in your faith. Maybe you're just barely holding on by, just by a thread. And he says, I want to strengthen you. I want to, I want to make that solid. And the second thing he says to, to send them there is to encourage them in their faith. And this word here means to call near. It means to call near. I like that. To encourage them, but it means to call them near. You know, just come near. Come near to Jesus. Get closer. He's there for you. He's going to take care of you. And your faith is going to make it. Your faith is going to survive. Get, just get as close to, to him as you possibly can. Call, call them near. Not to, not to Paul, but to Jesus. To invite. To call for. Maybe that's what the, the word is that you need to hear today, is that, that you need to just get closer to Jesus. Your faith is... It's, it, your faith is there, but it's like it just, it just needs to get closer. You need to get closer. Draw me close to you, that one song that we sing. So how's your faith? Does it need strengthening? Does it need encouraging? I, th I say the answer is yes for every single one of us. If you say, no, my faith is strong. I've got the positive confession thing happening. My faith is strong. And I'm so close to Jesus right now. What? And, and Jesus is going, yeah, but I'm over here. And you're over there like, hello. We all need help. We all need help and we all need each other. And, and, and from time to time, we need each other to say, listen, are you doing okay? How, how's your faith? Are you, are you holding on okay? Because I can pray for you. I want to pray for you. I can help you draw you closer to Jesus and, and help to support you. Sometimes we, we need to add a little bit of support to, to one another. So that's number one. We all need help. Paul saw that the Thessalonians needed help and he sent Timothy there. He sent a missionary there. He sent somebody there to, to encourage them and to strengthen them in their faith. 
I think God sends people here to us from time to time. He sent uh, Fidel here uh, to our church uh, a few weeks back. He sent Fidel to our huddle a few weeks back to, to strengthen and encourage our faith because, you know, when you're serving, you, you sometimes do get tired. Sometimes too, you do get weak. Number two, point number two found in verses three and four is that we all face trials. We all face trials. Look at verses three and four. It says, so that, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. And you know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted and it turned out that way as you well know. Some people don't like to read these verses. They say things that they don't really want to hear. The fact is that that we're going to face trials. We all face trials. That is the truth of it. We can't, you know, get away from the fact. We should not be, and what he's saying here is that we shouldn't be surprised by it. He said, I told you that. And you know, that's exactly what happened. Well, if we just saying, you know, I will never face another trial. I will never face another trial. I will never face another trial. If I keep saying that, if I have that PMA, and PMS, no, I didn't mean that. If we, have, if we just try to get this thing, this positive thing happening, we will never, ever face another trial. Is that true? That's ridiculous. It's just not true. Someone said Christians must expect troubles, but these are not disasters, for they advance God's purposes. They're not disasters. We, we kind of say it. A trouble comes along. We say, oh, and it's a disaster. It's a crisis. I'm, I'm not going to make it. Peter said, dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. It's like some strange thing. Well, this isn't, this isn't equal to what I thought the Christian life should be like. Someone said this, they, are, they were talking, they and, and, uh, said, if we're going to triumph over trials, it's imperative that we anticipate them. He said, have you ever talked with a starry-eyed young couple about to be married? They say, oh, we just can't wait. It's going to be so wonderful to be together 24 hours every day. He said, I often tell them about W.A. Criswell, who'd been married for 50 years, when he said, sometimes I love my wife so much I could just eat her up. And sometimes the next day I wish I had. <laughs> we, when we think that it's all going to be smooth, and thinks, think that nothing is ever going to happen in life, what, you know, no wonder it, it throws us for a loop. This word for trials used here in this passage, it's used in so many different places. And the word, it's an interesting Greek word just because I like the way it sounds. And the word is this, philipsis, T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S, philipsis. Go ahead and try to say that. See? Philipsis. He says the thalipsis, don't be unsettled, don't be surprised by thalipsis, by the trials. And literally, literally the word means pressure, pressure. 
Don't be surprised. Don't be unsettled. You know, we were destined for pressure to happen in our lives. You say, I don't want to hear about any more pressure. It's translated in a bunch of different ways. Affliction, anguish, burden, persecution, tribulation, trouble. It's translated in all those different ways, but it really means pressure. Any of you know what pressure is like? Like when, when, when sometimes it gets so bad, like you feel like your head is going to explode. It's like the pressure. How does it get inside your head anyways? It's stuff all around us. And then somehow it gets inside of our heads. And the pressure is just like, and you wish you could like drill a hole and let some of the pressure out. So if you ever see me come in and there's like a Band-Aid right here, <laughs> I tried. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. He said, in this world you will have trouble. Philipsis. You will have pressure. He said, but take heart. I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. You've got to know where that verse is. You've got to remember these things that the word of God says. He says, in me you'll have peace. Because I have overcome the world. Take heart, though. In this world, it's a promise. We, we like all the good promises. This is one of those promises I don't really like that much, but it's still a promise. In, the, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have pressure. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Turn with me to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. I'm going to have us turn into a number of different passages about this because I think it's something that we face. Do any of you ever face this kind of pressure? Just want to make sure I'm not I'm not just speaking to myself here. Acts chapter 14 verse 21 And they preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra Iconium in Antioch. This is Paul and his missionary uh, journey. Verse 22, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. He said, we must go through many hardships, philipsis, to enter the kingdom of God. Notice he uses the same two words here as well, to strengthen and encourage. And it's the same two words that we found back in 1 Thessalonians. He, he, he not only sent Timothy to do that there, but earlier he, they went around in person to help strengthen them and to encourage them in their faith. Remain true to the faith. But he says we must go through many hardships, pressures to enter the kingdom of God. Not to earn our way into the kingdom of God, but it's just part of the journey. It's just part of the journey. Someone said this, and I think this is some of the things that we think sometimes, is that these trials, these troubles, this pressure is not necessarily a sign of God's disfavor, but are part of every Christian's legacy. When trouble comes, Christians often react by doubting that they are where God wants them to be. They often think they've done something wrong and that God must be displeased with them. You ever feel that way? I'm sure I did something wrong. That's why this trial's happening to me. That's why this trouble, that's why this pressure, that, that is not necessarily true. It's just a part of life. 
Someone, he went on to say, some think troubles are, are always caused by sin or a lack of faith. And some turn to God with the hope of escaping suffering on earth, but God doesn't promise that. Instead, he gives us power to grow through our sufferings. You know, sin might bring trouble on us. There are times when our own stupid mistakes, our own failures will bring stuff into our lives, trials and troubles. And that's, and that's just reaping what we sow, right? But, but it's not all like that. It's not all because of something we did wrong. And God does have purposes that he will bring about through our trials. We all have trials. We all face trials. How about Acts chapter 11? Turn back a few chapters. Acts chapter 11, verse 19. I already mentioned this. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution, verse 19, in connection with Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. You see... Trials, they, they will bring some purpose out of it. In this particular case, it, it spread the gospel out even further. How about Romans chapter 5? For, for God wants us to grow. The very next book, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Not only so, but we also... I hate this verse. Rejoice in our sufferings, in our thalipsis, in our pressure, because we know the suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. And God does not disappoint us. There's a purpose in it. There's some good things that will come out of it. Now, you can't necessarily see that when you're in the middle of it. I can't see it. I have no reason. This does not make any sense. This is not, how is this going to bring any kind of growth in my life? I have no, I, I just can't see it. But look what he says here. We rejoice in it. Oh, thank you, God. Another, another trial. Thank you, God. Some more, some more pressure. Thank you, Jesus. He says, the only, the only way that he can say that is because he says, because we know because we know that suffering produces, and then it goes on through that list. We know that suffering produces per perseverance. And that's, that's what we're, we're trying to, to uh, the point we're trying to look at here right now is that we all face trials, but God has a purpose in it, and God is going to bring something good out of it. How about uh, two books ahead, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And verses 3 and 4, some more purposes for this. It really is kind of twofold in these verses. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us, us in all our troubles, thalipsis, pressures, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. 
two things there. One is that God will comfort us in that trouble. We can get to know him and, and, and trust him. And that, that verse, John 16, 33, he's overcome the world. You, in me, you'll find peace. But not only that is that as we have gone through trials, we will then have some more compassion. We will have some more sensitivity to be able to help and comfort someone else who's going through a similar trial. You know, how can you help someone? That, you know, it, it isn't always true that you need to have gone there first to be able to help someone. But, but how much better prepared you are when you have, you have received comfort from God and you can say to them, you know what? God's going to be there for you. He, he was there for me, and, he's, and he loves you too, and he's going to be there for you and, and help you through this trial and through this trouble. How about chapter 4, 2 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 kind of sums it up. In verse 15... All this is for your benefit. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, the ellipsis pressures, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on, on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That pretty much sums it all up, doesn't it? Don't lose heart. It, God has got a purpose, and He's going to bring something good out of it. But, but not only that, that compared to eternity, it's just light. It's just temporary. It's momentary. It's not going to last forever. I know that, that's one of the things that I always think, like, is this never going to end? This trial is going to go on forever. I'm never going to be free from this. In fact, you know, it's probably going to follow me into heaven. But it's just light. It's momentary. It's temporary. But God is going to use it in our lives to somehow bring about an eternal weight of glory that's way bigger, way stronger, way more powerful than what this little trial, this pressure, this trouble is. Eternal glory. So fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on what's, on what's not seen, not on what is, what is seen. Warren Wearsby said about trials, and we'll move on to the third and final point. Because I know some of you saw those donuts out there on the table. And uh, you got to get there fast. The kids are faster than we are. <laughs> Warren Wearsby said, faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. He said, God tries our faith not to destroy it, but to develop it. Faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. God tries our faith not to destroy it, but to develop it. And I wish I could say stuff like that. It's amazing. Doesn't mean I, again, like the concept that God is going to allow trials to, to strengthen my faith, to develop my faith, so that I can hold on in those times. 
And finally, point number three, we're all in a battle. Look at verse number five again, back in 1 Thessalonians chapter three. He says, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, he said that twice in this passage, notice, I sent to find out about your faith. And I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. He talks about uh, the enemy another time right here in, in, in this context. The last part of chapter 2 said, Satan, stop me. And he says here, the tempter is trying. There is a battle that is going on. The battle to attack our faith, to get us to stop trusting. Don't bother trusting. It's been, this has been going on a long, long time. If, if the enemy can get us to you know, trust in ourselves or trust in the stuff that we have, trust in, in other people, or just not trust at all, because people that just won't trust anybody or anything. And some of us can get like that. Life is hard, and so then we just don't trust anybody or anything, and then we, we can't even trust uh, our Father. And the enemy would like to see us go down that path, but you know what? He says, you know what? I'm so I'm concerned. I'm, 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 he's almost, I'm worried about you, that the enemy might have gotten you away from that simple trust. Hold on, your father, your Abba Father is going to take care of you. He is going to get you through this. In fact, he's even allowed this to happen in your life so that good might come out of it. That's what he's just been saying here and in all these other passages that we've looked at. The tempter. Genesis chapter 3 with Eve. He tried to get Eve to doubt God's word. He tried to uh, get Jesus to doubt the word of the Father in Matthew chapter 4. Someone said this, Satan is an angel who rebelled against God. He is not real. Excuse me. He is real, not symbolic. And he is constantly working against God and those who obey him. He tempted Eve in the garden, Jesus in the desert, and Satan and his forces are aggressive. There's a spiritual battle going on. Not only should we not be surprised that there's trials, but don't be surprised that there is a battle, a spiritual battle. There are spiritual enemies that we face. Don't be surprised. Peter said it, didn't he? He said, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour him. But this is what Peter said, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Standing firm in your faith and your trust in Jesus. He says, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We all face battles. He says, he says it, you know, it's, it's going on throughout the world. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are undergoing these battles just as you are. You know, that, that is another lie that comes from Satan. You know, you're the only one that's facing this kind of trial. You're the only one that's weak. All the rest of them, don't even worry about them. I'm, and when he gets us alone, when he gets, gets us to think that we're the only one, Elijah out in the wilderness, you know, I'm the only one. But Peter goes on to say, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast to him be the power forever and ever. Stand firm in the faith because God is the God of all grace. He's going to, he is going, he called you to his eternal glory. He's going to 
restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Hold on to him. It's not, it's not I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstraps and make myself strong. No, he's the one that's going to make me strong. But i got to look to him, keep my eyes on him. Keep trusting in him. We're all in a battle. We're all in a battle. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 10 because, uh, uh, by the way, that passage was 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. You need to know where that is too. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the, uh, the passage about temptation. Again, he calls him the tempter because he's tempting us. He's tempting. That's his thing. That's one of his things. He has many things in his arsenal, of course, but, but he's tempting us. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. He says, he says this, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If you think you got it all together, be careful. Watch out. He says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. You're not the only one being tempted. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. God's faithful. He knows what you can handle. He knows what I can handle. He, and he always is going to provide a way out. The thing is, we've got to look for the way out and we've got to take the way out. But always know that that way out is going to be there. The tempter, you know, he's, he's trying everything he can, but God is faithful. Keep that in mind. God is faithful. So, to the God who is faithful, let me ask you again about your relationship with Him. How are you doing? How is your faith? Do you know that, that you need help and that God is there to help you? Do you know that we all face trials, but God is going to use them to, to further His kingdom and His purposes and know that, that we are all in a battle? You've got to hold on, though. You've got to hold on. You're going to get to the end. Let's close with uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 Verses 1 and 2, familiar verses, but awesome verses. Of course, they're all awesome, but these are especially awesome, I think. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, kind of like Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Present yourselves living sacrifices. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our what? Faith. The author, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Talk about someone who faced pressure, who faced trials. But for the joy that was set before him, before, for the joy that was ahead, for him to uh, be able to bring us to heaven, for the joy that's ahead of you and I that we face these trials, but we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Each of us has that race to run, and it includes sometimes troubles and trials. It includes battles. 
It includes the fact that we need help, so let's help each other, and let's look to God for the help that only He can give us. Let's pray, shall we?